0: Hi, I'm Naveen Anbud. Hi, I'm Lauren K. Nixon.
1: And you're listening to TLDR, History is Weird podcast, episode 6.
0: Today's theme is flight.
1: Yeah. And uh, how, how, how was uh, this week for you?
0: Yeah not bad not bad quite busy got a lot of uh, stuff for the anthology done so that's cool
1: okay for me i think i've been, uh, there's not not much on the on the career side but uh, i've been reading Tintin comics nice. so i made some progress there
0: <laughs> I, love I think i
1: must have read about four or five fun fact i think i'm close to re- reaching 1000 pages nice. this year of reading which is if pe- people don't know, <laughs> I, I didn't read a book in 2019. So this is a big leap. It's, it's a, a, it's a milestone. It's a milestone. Exactly. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, you're doing something. You, you have something yeah. in the works. Uh, a
0: week from now. Is it? The twenty? 20- uh-huh. Yeah, the 21st. The 20th yeah. and the 21st, there is a 24-hour video podcast called Squeefest 2020 that Dr. Squee is uh, running. If okay. you haven't seen Dr. Squee's channel, it's really good. He does interviews with authors, actors, people involved with science fiction, fantasy, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm doing. We're doing the last hour. He's got a, an author panel on the last hour, which is on the Sunday. I said 20th and 21st. And I don't know why it's the 19th and the 20th because I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> so it's, it's it's
1: it's on the Sunday.
0: It's on the Sunday. Sunday the 20th. So
1: it's Yeah, it's here. Perfect.
0: At uh, 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, BST. Okay. But I think he's recording them, so you can catch them later if you if you miss it. It's a charity event. Oh.
1: But is it a live stream? Or it's a live stream, but he tends prayer. to put
0: them out later. But I don't know if this one is, is or not. Got it. Got so, it. So, okay. but yeah, it's a, uh, it. he's doing it in aid of the NHS charities. So to support the work they've been doing with COVID and stuff. And I will be doing an authors panel with Colum Regan and Sam Lee Howe, who are two amazing authors, and I cannot wait to get chatting with them. Um, mm mm-hmm. You can find the event on Facebook by searching for the Dr. Squee show or on twitch.tv Dr. Squee, slash Dr. Squee. Mm-hmm. Um, Squee is hmm. SQUE in this instance. <laughs> I spell it with three Okay, e's. there's a U there. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I would do two, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't include the U, but yeah okay good
0: but to yeah the whole thing is okay. gonna be amazing so like tune in for the whole 24 hours it's gonna be good
1: yeah i'll do it i i hope uh, our listeners also i mean i i'm looking forward to uh catch uh lauren talk about uh, <laughs> book stuff book stuff book stuff uh, yeah hopefully Writing by books. then I'll have
0: a launch date for the, <laughs> for the anthology as well so fingers crossed I'll actually have something to talk about
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah okay. okay and now we should get back uh, Emily is waiting for us we have uh, kept her hostage for yes. a week uh, <laughs> and we have uh, yeah she's been in the cupboard. So, we've been
0: feeding her snacks
1: <laughs> yes yeah we've been feeding her and uh, yeah after we uh, talk about flights we'll, we'll uh, release her into the wild again yes so yeah Uh, Let's uh, continue. We talked about birds and we ended at a point where we uh, we, we, we talked about uh, humans fantasizing about flight uh, when they looked at birds and all that. So today we are going to talk about what the attempts that uh, we made and eventually succeeded.
0: I mean, this is like I'm on the sort of the archaeologist along for a ride this time because this is your guys' area, (laughs) really. Not
1: really. It's still a history podcast, so. uh, Oh yeah, no, it's the history. Yeah, we we we're not going too technical uh, about it, and I'm I'm sure (laughs) Emily will not start. I mean, giving us a class on aerodynamics or something. So we're just talking historical (laughs) events, some stories. So where do you want to start? How far back do you want to go?
0: Ooh, I don't know. I mean,
1: I mean, do you want to go like uh, like broomsticks and flying carpets and I mean, okay, those are not real, <laughs> of course. I mean,
0: in fairness, broomsticks was quite late, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> this flying carpets, flying chariots. Fun fact: Did you know that uh, uh, this is a story about? I mean, this is still mythology again. <laughs> the the Lord of Riches in, in Hindu mythology mythology is the only person who who ha- owned a, an an aircraft actually a flying chariot because he was that rich and he was initially he he is he was an evil man right i mean that's how it is all rich people are evil so oh, yeah, that's
0: how he got rich yeah
1: so he's an evil man and he was powerful and he he had this he was the only one and he was that rich and influential that he was able to communicate like he had uh, uh, constant talks with god with with uh, heaven where the gods live So he he needed some device that could take him constantly between earth and heaven. Uh, And that is what this uh, flying chariot is. So he had this flying chariot because he could afford it, the technology at the time. Mm. And that's the flying chariot that also, that Ravan uh, in in the Ramayana epic uh, uses to kidnap Sita. And he takes her from India to Sri Lanka and that's on the way that he... uh, that Jatayu tries to stop him and he clips his uh, wing and all that. That's the story. Mm. Uh, but that's, that's you know, that's, I think, uh, the the plane, the aircraft in uh, Indian mythology. And also, uh, that that's where the word Viman f- comes from. In, in local languages, even in Konkani, the name for aircraft is Viman. And mm. Pushpaka Viman was the flying chariot of Kubera. So that that's the Sanskrit name for aircraft is Viman, and that's how that's trickled down into all the local languages as well. Hmm. We, we know for sure that's that can't be real, right? I mean
0: I'm sure the uh, the, the many documentaries on the history Channel would disagree with. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but which we love, of course.
1: But other uh, humans att- kept attempting uh, to fly through history. Uh Well, I
0: mean, the first the first attempts like we were I was, was just it balloons or was
1: it podcast. what do you think was? I mean,
2: well the first attempts oh, no. were people gluing feathers to feathers themselves.
1: to their, to their yeah, hands and jumping jump, from, yeah, from, from towers. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: I think they they there, kept doing that. A
0: surprising number of them.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> because I kept I kept finding accounts of people jumping off towers mm. as late as, you know, the 19th century because yeah. I mean, the the methods evolved uh by the time they they had they knew that, you know, attaching feathers and jumping would, would not be successful. So they had mm. uh, improvised and gotten up until like like a glider or something. They they attached like yeah. a hand gliding thing uh, that they managed to do.
0: It's such a, it's a seductive idea though, I guess, because again, you do that thing where you look up and you dream of flying. Yeah. And you've got the story of Icarus and Daedalus, mm-hmm. and like that's what they did they they glued feathers to themselves and made a pair of wings and jumped, yeah. and it worked for them. I know the ancient Chinese emperors had a thing about it was a punishment, but they were really interested in flying. But but it was a punishment to be the one who had to jump. <laughs> wow. Whereas other people did it because they wanted to. There was, uh... I've written eight hundred years later, but I've not given myself what it was later than. <laughs> <laughs> But I get that. Yeah. I mean uh ninth century AD, that's what I was looking for. Sorry, Karen. No, no, no.
1: I meant uh, the, the 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 experimenting with uh as a punishment. It's it's mm. something that it, it it kept recurring throughout humans, you know, discovery of flight. Uh because when I when I was reading about about kites as well, the ancient uh, as well as the medieval Chinese used that as an atta- uh, as a punishment as well, and you know they mm. attached humans up to kites and they used to <laughs> fly them. Um, <laughs> Make and,
0: notes about what happened. Yeah,
1: even later as well. Even I think in the 1700s, when the French were doing these uh, you know these hot air balloons experiments with uh, man flight of balloons, uh, the the it was the emperor of France. I don't know the name. For mm. pardon me. <laughs> He 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 proposed that they use uh, um, uh, jailed convicts. uh, Yeah,
0: but the inventors were like, "No, we want to do it exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We know it's safe, but we want to do it." So,
1: but this idea that uh, you know, if if you are attempting flight, just use uh, you know (laughs) this. Criminal, mm-hmm. or criminals so that because they are they more disposable that that's yeah. uh, i think that's it's been constantly there for 2000 years
0: so one of the people who um, who wasn't a convict and who intended to do it like he wanted to do it and he did it on purpose hmm. um, there was an andalusian scientist and inventor and poet um, called Abbas Ibn Furnas, and he's really cool, actually. He's worth a Google, did loads of stuff. Okay, He covered his body in vulture feathers, mm. strapped wings to his arms, and he jumped off a tower. But he travelled quite a long way, and he injured himself when he landed, but clearly not that much, because he did it again.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and he didn't die the second time either. Mm. So that flight in the 9th century is considered to be the first actual flight. The first (laughs) gliding flight um, of a human. And then, (laughs) I've got another couple written down here because I thought it was great that people kept doing it. In the 12th century, a Benedictine monk in England Mm -hmm. called Iolmer of Malmesbury. He tried it again. It didn't end particularly well. Um, And in the 16th century, a man called John Damien broke his leg, having strapped wings covered in chicken feathers to himself and jumped off the walls of Stirling Castle in Scotland. And uh, afterwards he blamed his lack of success on it being chickens rather than eagles that he'd used the feathers of (laughs) oh so that was (laughs) (laughs) clearly that was the problem yeah
1: that was the problem right the moment he fell down he was like of course should have used eagle feathers right
2: yeah that's so so so
1: that's so silly yeah
2: I mean, when like, you can understand why they constantly with, went with this idea of just strapping feathers to themselves and saying, mm. well, this gotta work because this is the only experience of flight that we as humans have ever seen.
1: Yeah, in yeah.
2: It's birds flapping their wings, and we didn't yeah. have a true understanding of what actually made things fly at the time, so... Okay, birds can fly. What's the difference between birds and me? Well, they've got legs. I've got legs. <laughs> they have wings instead of arms. What's different about their wings? They've got feathers. Yeah. Clearly, I just need to add feathers and yeah. then I should be able to fly. <laughs> this is a good scientific <laughs> method here.
1: <laughs> but but since, since you bring that up, did you know that the invention of the kite was and for, through this observation as well? The inventor Lu Ban, Lu ban or gong shuban who was a chinese uh, structural engineer inventor slash carpenter he uh, actually got this idea when he looked at leaves flying in the wind Mm. Um, so that's that's i think that's uh, i mean on the one side they look at birds and they think that feathers are the only thing but but there have also been these examples where humans have looked at nature and uh, been inspired and eventually succeeded so he it's like so he came from a family of artisans and carpenters during the Zhou dynasty and uh, he was a contemporary of uh, Confucius they lived during the same period and he's 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 believed to be the patron of uh, builders and contractors uh, to the extent that he has a temple in Hong Kong uh, that is dedicated to him and apparently he Uh, The kite wasn't the first thing, I mean, the only thing that he invented. This person was so skilled that, that he was all constantly, you know, bombarded with work, you know, contracts. And he devised uh, shortcuts to, you know, help him, you know, work faster or easily. So he's uh, uh, credited with the invention of the saw and that also he is dedicated with uh, i mean that's also from the, the a leaf he got a paper cut from a leaf one day and he was like oh, wow. why not use the you know sharpen to uh you to cut through wood and that's how we invented apparently invented saw and he also invented the steel square uh, that carpenters use and the mechanical drill as well as the shovel as well as the folding umbrella the cloud ladder which uh firemen use to this day that is like the folding mm. ladder through hinges that kind of opens up that the uh, you know chinese military started using say after he invented it uh to climb up uh, fort walls so they were like they were they were ladders which had wheels on at the bottom so they would push it till the wall and then they would open it mm. up and they would climb uh, on top of it uh he invented grappling
0: he was a, he was a very busy man yeah
1: he invented grappling hooks <laughs> and then also the crane slash pulley system to lower uh uh what, what's that uh, thing that you guys put uh, dead bodies in uh, coffins? coffins 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 <laughs> to to, to low, the the mechanism to lower coffins uh, into the the ground as well as the uh, he's created as the inventor of the pedal powered wooden bicycle uh, more than a thousand five hundred years before uh, it was officially invented in the west so
0: i love things like that i love it when you 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 go through what uh, an inventor or someone who has that kind of mind wrote down and sketched yeah but wasn't possible at the time and then maybe was forgotten and then centuries later someone's gone that's actually quite a good idea. Let's try it.
1: Yeah. That's happened more than and it's not just with physical items, with the ideas as well. Mm. Uh like scientific, you know, theories, mathematic formula. Many people well, Leonardo,
0: have, you know, Leonardo Da Vinci's flying machines.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was saying even the Pythagoras theorem. It's not mm. uh, it wasn't yeah. It, so, the, yeah, that that keeps happening. You can you like, can like you can't uh, do intellectual property arguments or <laughs> because it, it's centuries apart. Um uh, mm yeah but then also it's like these inventions this so many inventions i i when i was reading this i started to think i was like after a point i maybe the chinese were like they came up with a mechanism which was there and then the ne- later generations somebody must have asked who came up with it oh that it must have been uh you know mm. luban of course because he invented so many stuff so much stuff i don't know maybe he he genuinely came up with all this stuff but then you can't help thinking <laughs> some of this could have been you know just Later on, I added to his name. It
0: could have been like, um, you know, the painters in uh, the Renaissance period, they had whole workshops of people working for them. Yeah. So a lot of the time, uh, art provenancing is is it by this guy or is it in his style and made by his students? So you'd have, someone would be doing the shoulders and someone else would be doing the head yeah. and it was sort of a factory line going on. Yeah. Like so undergrad sort of re- research. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it gets <laughs> yeah. credited to the professor, yeah. but it's but it's the students who are doing the bulk of the actual work. Yes. So maybe it was Luban Studio. <laughs>
1: like yeah, invented maybe. all of these yeah. things. <laughs> so uh, he got, he is like, he's so big in uh, Chinese uh, folk Culture folk folk uh, mm-hmm. lore that uh, even Chinese idioms are named after him. Like uh, mm-hmm. the th- one that is similar to teaching grandma to suck eggs, as in giving advice to someone who already knows so much about it. So the 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 idiom is brandishing one's axe at Luban's door. Is <laughs> the chinese the tra- English translation of the Chinese idiom? So this guy. So uh, he his first kite was uh, he used silk. Uh, that was uh, and bamboo skeleton Uh, that was the first kite that he invented and then uh, the Chinese actually uh, they uh, like I already said right they they used it as a punishment Mm. but then they also used it to uh, measure distances test the wind to uh, not just to as a punishment actually lift men uh, like an elevator thing uh as well as to like,
0: sort of like a, a cherry picker almost you know one of those um it's, like it's got a basket on the end of it, a crane that extends upwards yeah so that yeah people yeah,
1: can yeah. Work at height. yeah uh they uh, use this for as a as a way of uh, signaling as well uh hmm. to for during military oper- operations to signal between far-off locations uh but the man carrying kites they they were used uh, in ancient china they've been used in japan as well and uh after a while, in in Japan, they they, they they passed a law saying, you know, banning uh, man-carrying kites. Oh, man I read carrying, about that. Yeah, man-carrying kites. Yeah. So, there's, there <laughs> is... Uh,
0: I think... You, get, you sort of go, why did they need to ban it? Was it... <laughs> Was it because they kept falling out of the sky? Were people spying on each other? What happened here? I, <laughs> it's like, I want to know the story. <laughs> yeah, I did not find
1: a story. But I, I'm guessing it, it started becoming fatal. Because it, mm. you can't control the flight of a kite, right? I mean, once it loses mm. its uh, tautness, it, it's like it just falls to the ground. So coming to India, it came to India in, in the 7th century. Uh, I think uh, BC was when uh, Fahein or Huansang who like uh, the Chinese travelers brought it to India and india afghanistan pakistan bangladesh the whole indian subcontinent kind of adopted it as a sport so kite, line, kite flying is is a is a major sport in india even even today and one of those uh, offshoot sport is kite running i don't know if you have if you have you guys read the kite runner which is a I think a popular book i've heard of it yeah uh, kite running is like uh, is a team sport as in one person flies the kite and we we kind of use an, a, an abrasive line uh the 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 thread is uh, coated with powdered glass so the sport the sport is to uh, cut each other's the threads and the idea is to uh, bring the kite down of the opponent hmm. and the kite running the sport is that it's a team sport right so the one one guy cuts uh, the opponent's kite and the kite runner does this parkour thing where he has to go over all these buildings and everything and actually uh, go, fetch the opponent's kite after it falls nice. down and so the sport is how many how many ki- opponent kites can you collect the team sport is in one guy this is the skill is he has to cut as many kites and the kite runner on mm. the ground has to go and fetch it the team with the most number of kites wins but it's actually dangerous and uh, it's um, okay, it's banned in if, run- yeah. if you're
0: running across like rooftops and stuff yeah there's got to be yeah moments where because you're people uh, it's
1: it's parkour but the people are actually looking up uh, following (laughs) where the kite is going and it's very dangerous also people try and cheat (laughs) because in in, in today's day they people go with uh, instead of they try and use synthetic fiber which does not cut (laughs) so there's a ban on that as well but ironically kite flying in india the the sport is a threat to the bird kite Mm. uh, because when they do that it's like the black kite uh, ha- has is, uh, the, the reports is every year 500 black kites die because of human kite flying. And because the, because they use this abrasive thread, uh, when they, mm. and birds don't see it, they just fly through it. And they, sometimes yeah. their wing gets chopped off and yeah, they, they're fatally wounded. But, uh, uh, kites in, in, in history, in Indian history, uh, this is a story, and uh, this is 1928. I- imagine, the British and Indian uh, relationship at the time. So mm-hmm. India Tense. India Britain is India is Britain's Britain's largest and I think most important and the only position remaining at the time. Mm, late the late nineteen twenties, yeah. So they are key yeah. uh, keen to hold on to India so what they do is they s- they may they uh, make a panel of uh, seven british uh, parliament members under uh, under the chairmanship of jo- sir john simon and they decide to send this panel to india and they call it the simon commission the 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 role of this commission the the their goal is to study the constitutional reforms that have been placed in india and s- suggest new ones but the indians the you know the locals in india and uh, the leaders of the independence movement and all these people are not happy with it so <laughs> of course because it's all it's an all british panel and there's no indian in, in and they're coming to study co- the indian uh, uh, mm. uh, c- constitutional reforms and all that so naturally there are widespread protests all over india and there are black flags saying simon go back and they protest their non-violent protests all across india in one such protest uh, happens this is in lahore it's now in pakistan there's a peaceful peaceful protest going on and uh, lala Lajpat rai was is one he's leading the protest what happens is is james scott who is the superintendent of police at the of the of lahore he orders a, a, a baton baton charge through the to disperse the protesters and he orders the you know the uh, policeman on uh, horse horses to run through the protesters who are sitting uh, to trample as uh, basically and he personally charges at the the, the front line the leaders were sitting there and uh, the story goes that his uh, you know his beating his fatally wounded uh, Lala Lajpatrai uh, who was a you know, prominent leader at the time and uh, his dying quote was I'm going to read it out he said that I declare that the blows struck at me today will be the last nail in the coffin of British rule in India and he said this and he died so his death became big news and then there were kites black kites flying all over india with simon goback uh so this is like the first uh, big mass kite flying event uh his his death was huge the british god there was there was debates in british parliament and the british government denied any responsibility of uh his, of in course. his death but parallelly there's a teenager bhagat singh he vowed revenge <laughs> and he along with three revolutionaries the shivram rajguru sukhdev and Chandrashekhar azad he, they decided to murder james scott but they had never they had not witnessed this event they didn't know how how james Scott looked <laughs> <laughs> so they they reached Lahore. Uh, they storm into this police station, and there's this John P. Sa- 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 Saunders in the police station at the time, who is the assistant superintendent, superintendent. But they don't know that. They murder him, and they run away. They kill the wrong person, and then, uh, and then they get, they are caught, and then the rest of the story is for another another day because it's 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 it keeps escalating from there on. And uh, mm. but uh, the story of the kite just stops there, so uh, that's where I'll stop. Since then uh kite flying is is a, is a like, has become a tradition that everybody most people i don't know how to fly a kite so i i, I tried and i failed but uh, most people in india fly kites on in india and in pakistan fly kites on the 15th of august which is the independence day for both uh, countries and as a symbol That's because a nice it's a yeah, it. kite flying because kites is as a symbol of freedom and uh yeah so so that that's that's a kite flying day for india pan india everybody flies kites um and there are kite fly festivals that happen uh on the arrival of spring which is like early mm-hmm. january which is to signify that the end of the year and uh, the new fresh start so that's the two days that uh, people in india fly kites so uh that's the two stories kite related stories that i had what about balloons <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, um, I read a book about five years ago, which was, it was sort of about the age of enlightenment. So it started off with um, the discovery discovery of uh, Haiti and mm. various yeah. uh, Joseph Banks and various things from that, because essentially he, in some ways, he oversaw the whole of that time. Okay. He had this network of scientists across Europe and beyond, and they would send him stuff back. And one of the things he got really into was ballooning. Okay, And we've known about heat rising for a long time. So, I mean, the early balloons were, again, ancient China, which seems to be the place to be for aerial invention. Yeah. Um, so you've got the paper sky lanterns and things from the 3rd BC onwards. Mm-hmm. But in the late 18th century, ballooning really took off. If okay. you're part Yeah, it was yeah.
1: 1783 was like a big year,
0: right? Yeah,
1: for ballooning.
0: Suddenly, suddenly everyone. Well,
1: especially in France. Especially in France, 1783. France was like.
0: I may be remembering this wrong, but I feel like maybe there was a competition because they knew they were close to figuring it out, and there was a competition. But yeah, it was super public. The Montgolfier brothers and the uh, Roberts brothers. Yeah,
1: uh, I I remember of this. Uh, is there like some story where somebody goes pa- back in time and they reach there on the day that the Montgolfier brothers are going to launch their hot air balloon? does this sound familiar to any of you
0: no but it's a good story
1: because i, I remember reading a, a book a, a storybook or a comic book at some where somehow they reached back in 1783 and it's on the day that uh, this happens and they it was the time travel was framed in such a way that they interact with uh, the, the the brothers and they and oh, that's cool The story is like they give this them this encouragement to go ahead with like saying that yeah they act because they know that they did it, so it's it's similar yeah. to the Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, uh, Harry Potter's uh, you know, doing the Patronus charm. He he did it because oh, yeah. he knew he did it, so it's yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, please go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Um, I was just saying, do you know more about this
2: than I do, Emily? Uh, I only know a, a little bit about it, just the Montgolfier brothers, and, uh, they actually flew five miles on their first try, uh, wow. that's incredible. Pa- over okay. Paris, and just went up and drifted around, and that was the first time humans were ever lifted up in a, uh, controlled flight that wasn't a kite tethered to the ground.
1: Oh, it was manned! Really I didn't cool. know it was- okay.
2: Yes, yeah, so the- 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 the brothers yeah. sat in it and were, you know, ready to go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't. They they had an unmanned flight a few months before, and then it went really well. So they were like, "Right, we'll we'll do this."
2: Ah, right, right
0: okay. And the Montgolfiers went down the. Uh, oh yeah, it had a duck, rooster, and a sheep on board. Yeah, to see what would happen to them. Now, hmm. was it that one, or there was another one? I may be mis- I may be conflating this with an Edgar Allan Poe science fiction story where they started throwing them out to see how fast they could fly down. <laughs>
1: Oh <laughs> that might scientific be experiments. experiments right away.
0: <laughs> I mean I mean people were horrible, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, but I, yeah, the like Mongols? instead of
1: that i would i would imagine they'd test gravity or something just throw something like a non-living object to see how fast it goes just measure mm. other newton prove newtonian you know laws since you are just 100 years later but instead you just <laughs> start throwing chickens just
0: let's let's fling livestock <laughs> and see what happens imagine that landing on you as well you're like ah! yeah. well you'd probably be dead yeah especially have, if it was like a sheep can you imagine
2: state? a sheep yeah. falling <laughs> <No>. down <laughs>
0: They used you to might do think that the world's
2: ending if suddenly a sheep just come crashes down in front of you. They used to do that in sieges in the medieval period. It it's not would,
1: even a crash, put it put just sick... bursts open because I would imagine. Yeah, because it's a body. it would
2: splash.
0: It splashes, splash, Ugh. yeah,
1: like a water balloon.
0: Well, yeah, they, they used to put um, animals with botulism and things and a catapult and fire them into the castle so that everyone in the castle would get sick and surrender. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, So we are known to, to do tone, this. Then. as usual. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Mongolfiers, their system was a hot air and steam system, so it was a it was a wood fire. Mm-hmm. While the other one being tested at the time, which was let me see, I've lost his name. It was the Robert brothers. They were they were working with Jacques Charles. Okay. And they were doing hydrogen. So you've got these two different balloon systems. Yeah, that's a hot air coming.
1: balloon and and a hydrogen. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, and their first. Manned flight, which was the one you referenced earlier, where you said that um, the the king wanted to send up prisoners, and they were like, "No, ah, okay. <laughs> no we want to be the first people <laughs> there." They uh, took off from the Tuileries in Paris, mm. and it was hugely public. There were four hundred thousand people gathering to watch this thing, and wow. they travelled for two hours and five minutes. They ascended one thousand eight hundred feet or five hundred and fifty meters, and they landed. 36 kilometres away at sunset and then one of the Robert brothers uh, who'd gone on the flight mm-hmm. Nicolas Louis, he got out Okay. Um, and Jacques Charles d- decided to do it again but he wanted to see how high he could get so he travelled really fast upwards which is always a bad idea um, and he reached a height of about 9,800 feet or 3,000 metres 3,
1: Three kilometres, wow
0: he, that's, that's he'd set so off good one. at sunset and then when he got to that height he could see the sun again of course. So that's how high he got, and he he uh, he had extreme ear pain, and came back down and never flew again. And I'm like, well, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> the pressure change.
1: I mean, yeah. So. I mean, he he must have gone really fast to be able to you know catch up uh, mm. to the the sun. Catch up with the yeah. sunset. Wow. Well- <laughs> But it's, it's it's nice that I mean they must have had like an argument when they were landing right I mean can we try this and the other guy other brother is like no we sh- we can't and then he he waits <laughs> waits right. for the brother to go uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like okay bye
0: <laughs> it's like the ideas guy was like yeah yeah let's do it and the guy who who did the maths and the engineering is like you know
2: what i'm just going to watch <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I'm going to make sure the paper gets published. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, that. I, I was thinking the other way. I was like, I thought this guy tri- tricked the other brother into, you know. He waited oh, till no, he no. got off and then he just uh, went. No. Yeah. Could be either way.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, he wrote about it at length, of course, because he was really annoyed about the fact that his ears were quite
2: substantially damaged.
1: Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs>
0: so,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But at least he was probably one of the first people to get hearing damage from uh, a yeah. extreme pressure change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got that he to your be, name. <laughs> he must be one of the first people to
0: reach that height. Probably. Yeah,
1: that's true. Three kilometers, man. That's that's uh, mm. quite high.
0: Is that where well, you lot. can? Is that high enough that you can see the curvature of the Earth in a big way? Uh I can't imagine there being a lot of oxygen. <laughs> i i don't
1: know i don't think so
0: it doesn't it doesn't matter
1: <laughs> because um uh, i'm not sure because i i, I uh, the, okay referencing another youtube video again i don't know about who this is but they attached a, a gopro to a hot air balloon and, oh, they, I saw that. and they sent it up and uh, it kept going and they want they it at at some point it showed the the curvature i mean it started uh, you can you could make out the curvature of the earth and i think it was up more than 10 kilometers mm-hmm. maybe like 25 kilometers or something so three kilometers is is compared to this that height it's not much but i'm I'm thinking in terms of 1783 mm. um Gosh, yeah. so three kilometers and imagine him looking down and is like three kilometers is quite high right because burj khalifa is is that yeah. like, is not even a kilometer right? uh so that's like thrice more than thrice, thrice the height of uh, the tallest building in the world so Wait, are we in a commercial?
0: Of course we are, don't you hear the music? Oh, okay
1: then, Uh, let's do this.
0: You're listening to an episode of TLDR History is Weird, which you probably know since you're listening to it. If you're enjoying (laughs) this, please subscribe to the podcast so that you have easier access to our future episodes. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app.
1: If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us and leave us a review. You have no idea how much of those things help.
0: And feedback, we love getting feedback.
1: Yes, you can find us on Instagram where we post images related to each episode along with little glimpses behind the microphone. Our handle is at TLTR History's Weird Pod
0: podcasting. You can find Naveen vlogging and sketching mostly on his YouTube channel these days.
1: Also check out Lauren's website and Patreon page. The links as usual are in the description of this episode. Her books live on Amazon and Smashwords.
0: Make sure you stick around till the end of the episode for the question of the week.
1: We pick one lucky listener and award them the title of
0: Weirdling of the Week. Weirdling Weirdling of of the the Week. week. Uh, And also answer your questions if any at the end of the episode or try to anyway.
1: How, how long is this commercial?
0: Almost done.
1: Uh, well, what are we waiting for?
0: For the song to finish, weirdo. Uh
1: uh-uh. uh, call
0: me weirdo. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but what? What else? So it's like what? It was a busy year in France. Oh, uh, it
0: was. <laughs> <laughs> And it took off from there. And then, I mean, they started developing things in the 19th century. Okay. Um, they started developing things like zeppelins, which yeah. I didn't look into because I think they're very silly. <laughs> you don't like zeppelins? The, the- let's, fill a, let's fill a thing with something that will explode and incinerate everyone. <laughs> the- <laughs> Mind you, I suppose that's most fuel. So. <laughs> yeah. The only...
1: Interesting thing I I found about uh, airships I mean zeppelins airships uh, is that night between 1900 and 1937 when the Hindenburg disaster happened and like they started uh, they stopped using it was the in 1900 the top speed that an airship could achieve was 3 meters per second just just mm. keep that in mind 3 meters per second okay and towards like late 30s they could achieve 130 or nearly 140 kilometers per hour like that's like the top speed of a uh, you know of an automobile in even in present day 140 like how much is that i don't know i want to tell so that so KT can relate. That's like I think uh, about eighty or ninety miles per hour. So yeah, 30,
0: three miles per th- sorry, three meters per second is six point seven miles per
1: hour. Okay, so from there they went up to ninety miles per hour in thirty years. So imagine that. I mean, I can imagine airships going that slow because they were like they had those propellers and they would go. What were they mm. imagining them being steam powered or something? I don't know. Uh, but I I read about the 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 last uh, I mean the the modern airship before it be, it became obsolete. But even that they were powered by those big uh, uh, engines and they they were what three hundred meters in length.
0: Yeah.
1: Huge, like really huge. Yeah. But then their seating capacity is fifty. So they're carrying fifty people.
0: <laughs> they're inefficient. <laughs> I mean, slightly more efficient than a, than a high air balloon that can carry three people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: And it's kind of hard to steer.
2: You just kind of... Yeah, but you go with the flow. But ima- <laughs> this
1: is so, so inefficient. No wonder, because jet engines were, came about soon late after, and then passenger aircraft airlines became like a big... Commercial flight became like a big thing. Oh. So airships would have, with or without the disaster, they were going to go out of demand anyway. So... Mm. <laughs> that didn't re- it i mean it's i mean it's still uh sad that people died but uh yeah i'm just saying that the disaster uh, didn't really uh it was like it, it never no, okay i don't want it to wasn't f- i don't death. want to finish it that wasn't, sentence. <laughs> it
0: wasn't the death knell that we thought it would be for the industry there were other things that were finished yeah off.
1: right thank you so <laughs> so that that was only the, the thing that i that caught my attention about airships and la- mm. and uh what's that uh what's that word that starts with an l i keep forgetting l no, uh, th- no? what was that word i
0: don't know zeppelin
1: zeppelin That was, it starts an with l. answered okay sorry sorry <laughs> it's
0: got an l in it
1: <laughs> yeah it's too late for me yeah <laughs> so yes yeah so that that was the only thing f- f- fun funny thing that i noticed about those i didn't really have much to because uh, airships uh, yeah is not it's very boring for me as well
2: <laughs> so i just like the airships. aesthetic of them they're so pretty <laughs> yeah that's true, they, that's true.
1: They, they They look pretty and just imagine i was <laughs> looking at the scale of that uh, the fine the, the the hindenburg uh, uh, lineup mm-hmm. because it's so big like 300 meters that's big that's longer than our yet modern aircraft you know the biggest aircraft that we have right now is is like three times that so i would i would have loved to see one uh, uh, you know in actual in real size Mm. they
2: did a thing does
1: is there one that exists
2: i mean we have blimps now which you know kind of have the Mm. same shape okay Um, they're just not filled with the extremely explosive gas (laughs) all <laughs> people to to the same extent. <laughs> yeah. But I know I, was, I would have been, There was a, yeah.
0: there was a mythbusters episode on them, I think. Okay. And the the one that I really really remember from it is you know the phrase um, it will go down like a lead balloon. And they made a balloon out of very very thin lead and it it worked just as well as the uh, the zeppelin that they were also testing. <laughs>
1: oh. Is that Depends where the that where the lead lead zeppelin comes from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm but just I just But I
0: imagine not from the mythbusters. <laughs> <episodes>. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that Led Zeppelin predicts me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because you said Zeppelin and Led, I was like, okay, that's that's Led Zeppelin. Uh, so yeah, that, that's about uh, balloons and uh, uh, kites. And uh. there were other things like gliders.
2: Yep, gliders came around uh, shortly after uh, balloons in 1799. because okay. When George Cayley, he was like the person to be uh, for early flight testing. He invented a whole bunch of gliders and actually was the first one to add a uh, like a vertical tail almost like thing to help <laughs> control the uh, yaw and uh, horizontal tail for pitch. So uh, up and down, side <laughs> to side, uh, for those unfamiliar with the uh, technical terms. <laughs> but uh, one thing I found really funny when I was doing my research is that uh, in like 1809, he published this paper on aerial navigation that was completely ignored. Like... <laughs> Because it people went unnoticed were busy until 1960 and wow. a lot of scholars <laughs> think that, wow, if someone would have actually paid attention to this paper, we could have had airplanes like a whole hundred years earlier. Yeah. So it's I, think, I, I
1: think they, they were busy with balloons and stuff. They didn't pay gliders much attention. Could be because, mm-hmm. I'm just guessing, because it's just 20 or 30 years after this 1783 event, eventful year that we had with the balloons. So I'm just thinking like humans were at the time, the scientific community was obsessed with the vertical takeoff uh, that they didn't pay gliders and, you know, because gliders is like, I think I would imagine just trying to channel the 1800s mindset in me. Gliders is like you're jumping off, you're taking off from an elevation, but then it's not powered yet but most people i don't know it is trusting that they didn't take uh, kelly's uh, paper seriously or they didn't read it at all they don't know that he's able to control the direction of the glider right so mm. they just think of it as something that it's like those paper planes that we you know throw Uh, yeah so eventually it it loses elevation so that's what i meant i mean they can't sustain that elevation over long distances so maybe that's why they didn't take it seriously
0: well also at the time a lot of the the countries that had strong scientific communities with funding were suddenly at war with each other yeah yeah Yeah.
1: yeah. that's also 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 fun fact about uh kelly did you know that his his cousin was henry kelly and then his son is Arthur Cayley, who is, is credited with the, the Cayley-Hamilton theorem in uh, matrix algebra, if you're yeah. aware of it. Uh, Arthur... I'm
0: not, but I'm going to sound like I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> A lot of matrix okay.
2: algebra. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Katie knows about the Cayley-Hamilton uh, matrix the theorem. And so he he is related to uh, George Cayley. Get just... those
2: families of people who... Just somehow make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So similar earlier, to Lauren the, and I were talking about the Bernoulli brothers. Bernoulli's Bernoulli exactly. Brothers. Yeah. So, uh, what was it? They all had something else to do, and a lot of them um, like revolutionized aerodynamics. And yeah. uh, there's a story about one of them looking down at the water and seeing a fish go through mm. of the water, and the shape of it now. If you think about, uh, if you take a cross section of a wing, it's a shape called an airfoil, and a fish has a very mm. similar shape when yeah, it's moving like up right. the water. Yeah. Do um, <laughs> you imagine uh, family dinners with
0: them? I was like, I, I think when you've got that many people who have that level of understanding of a subject, you're not going to stop talking about it just because you're in a social event. So maybe that they were. Maybe there was a bit of uh, brotherly competition as well going on. I was. Oh, oh, you, you've got a big prize. For, all right,
2: I'll go and do some maths. <laughs> Hold up, I'm going to go invent an entirely new branch of calculus. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bob, are you proud of me yet? (laughs) Their
1: Christmas Christmas dinners would have been like that, right? Family Christmas dinners would be like, what did you do this year?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you only invented a new form of wings. Oh, well, that's not as good as
2: me. Well, I invented an equation that's used extensively in the future for... uh,
1: yeah and computers and stuff <laughs> computing and all that but speaking of gliders i mean i found i i came across another uh, curious individual is otto lilian Lil, Lilienthal. Uh, mm. this guy oh, is yeah, uh is, is apparently that he's called the flying man of germany and uh, the king of gliders he uh, unfortunately he, he died of a glider crash in 1896 mm. he's known to have flown over 2000 glides and um, at the time of his death and after his death people found out that he had started experimenting with uh, attaching a motor to this glider so he's one of those people who could have Uh, beaten Wright brothers to the race to...
0: Well, one of the interesting things about him is he'd only been looking at, like, really experimenting with flight for, like, less than 10 years. So to do the amount that he did is really quite impressive in that amount of
2: time. Yeah. He had a student that was actually killed a few years after him for Mm. similar reasons, uh, Mm. crashed. Uh, Percy Pilcher. He was killed in 1899 of his Glider the Hawk, which he intended to fly as an airplane with a four-horsepower motor and a Mm. five-diameter propeller. Wow, but uh, he he died. But <laughs> it's it really
0: it's just an extension of sticking feathers to yourself and jumping off things, really, isn't it? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, did you guys <laughs> notice?
1: Did, did,
0: A bit more technology. Like
1: <laughs> after nineteen eighteen ninety, leading up to nineteen o five, when Wright brothers eventually succeeded, uh, mm-hmm. it's like those that's that fifteen years is packed. It's like it gets so heated up the race, yeah. you know, to be the first to do this man flight thing. It's so competitive if you have if you like there are so many names and so many people trying to you know do it and right brothers eventually succeed it's like all those names are suddenly lost in history because because we only remember the the people who eventually succeeded yeah just thanks to this that this topic that we uh, you know we in this past week i went and read like like you you said all these people that tried and some people even you know gave up their life trying like so many inventors trying to beat each other to this
0: i suppose in some ways parts of space travel might be like that you know the there was there's a race to get to mars
1: yeah and yeah
0: to, to to make it livable yeah but I guess we only see because then it, it was such a public thing because there were cash prizes as well and like newspapers would hold competitions and say oh you if you manage this there's a prize for, for doing it and stuff Yeah. But I suppose today a lot of that happens with funding organized through governments and states and scientific bodies so yeah. we only hear
2: about it after they finish it does
1: not happen on the on the individual level right it happens on, on mm. like a corporation and government scale Yeah. especially
2: since everything is, got, is so expensive in particular space travel which is our next yeah step is so it's
1: like one person can't do anything yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah it's similar to balloon up to space but uh i'm not gonna be able to build myself a rocket in my backyard like uh, uh some of these people were able to build their first gliders in their backyards yeah yeah
1: i think a similar yeah, thing the- one would be like the the race for i think smartphone race i think so many companies mm. like the last what 15 years like it went from court like they abolished the keypad and they brought touchscreen one company came up with that and then they other companies fought over it and so yeah that's, that's like the closest i can think of of uh, of such a tight-knit you know cr- uh, race over over a short period of time
0: well i suppose the that? that's happening i mean it, it's got to be more collaborative but i imagine the vaccine
1: vaccine the yes vaccine, i was just thinking about about it yeah vaccine,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that's one so anyway so wright brothers eventually did it succeeded and then uh immediately after that yeah, there was like a boom big boom <laughs> Within four years, the U.S. Uh, Army bought the license. Like they bought out the, I think the design for the uh, Model A. At the time, they paid what thirty thousand U.S. dollars, which in today's age is about a million. Uh, it's yeah nine sixty thousand U.S. dollars for the Model A, which like they built sixty of them for the. They mm. bought they bought the design for it and they attached a machine gun and they weaponized it. But then after that, like, uh, nineteen eleven is. The first account of um, airplane being used in war, um, mm. I can It was the Ital, Ital, Italo-Turkish War. The Italy Italians were fighting the Turkish, and then Captain I think Captain Carlo Piazza is the name. He he flew the first uh, fighter aircraft, and Second Lieutenant Giulio Gavotti was the one who who threw uh, four bombs on uh, Turkish land. So, so that that's that's just three years before the first world war and we all know that the world wars was propelled uh i think it just totally took off the beginning of the first world war the planes look like just two frames of ply uh, like two two they, and pro- they
0: look so flimsy don't exactly they? right In the and
1: then like, the, just imagine someone has from sewn there. some
0: kites together <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the end of uh, the second world war the planes are like completely metallic and mm. uh, um, there's not much difference uh, from there from there up till, uh, you know, the next 40, 50 years. But mm-hmm. just be- during the two world wars is when I think the maximum evolution happened.
2: It really brought us to the planes that we know today. And yeah. after after the World War II, that's when we started working on actually making planes more flyable. Because first we yeah. were just like, okay, if we just strap a really big motor onto this and give us at least some form of lift, you know, it's going to fly. <laughs> Right? (laughs) But uh, whether or not it was controllable or not, which was kind of up to uh, debate, uh, especially for the pilots that flew them and uh, in the years after, particularly leading up to the Vietnam War, uh, the United States military was spending a lot of money developing planes that could actually be survivable Mm. if, for example, the pilot was injured, if the plane was uh, damaged. Yeah, I remember our teachers telling us stories about how literally in the Vietnam War or the Korean War—I can't remember which one—but the planes would come down, they'd patch them up with duct tape because they were so durable. Just cover the little holes and send them right back up.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think that I've heard stories of that during uh, between uh, during the Chinese and the Japanese war as well. Similar stories Mm. of uh, yeah, pilots just jumping or crashing, jumping or being captured. Yeah, there is yeah. There's some interesting stories about that as well.
0: There's also, if you think about that, certainly from the British perspective, you were saying about whether or not they were adequately controllable. There was such a huge jump in flyability when the Spitfire came about. Hmm. Like you went from these big Lancaster things that were essentially about as maneuverable as a bus. And then you had a Spitfire and it moved when you thought. And that was such a huge thing.
1: Yeah. But uh, there's something. there was something called the Schneider Trophy. If I don't know if either of you have heard of it, this is this ran like this was held between 1913 and 1931. This is one of those air like air races which was very yeah. popular it would be during like like i said during those two during that period between the first and the second world war and this was a 350 kilometer triangular course race which was held for those the duration of those 18 years annually and uh, this race actually like drove uh, engine and airframe development because people or companies which were manufacturing planes were trying to make better aircraft that could win these races uh, because it was a very prestigious uh, trophy competition and uh, one of these one of the pilots who who flew and won these competitions was Amelia Earhart and uh, she was again went on to be popular for other reasons and i I'll, I'll i'll let lauren <laughs> talk about that um,
0: I, love, I love the way you say that like i've looked it up um, <laughs> okay
1: okay fine i think amelia um, earhart was the first woman pilot who uh, successfully flew solo uh, across yeah. the at- atlantic in 1931 if i'm if i'm uh, not, not wrong yeah before that it was charles Lindbergh who did it he was the first uh yes. solo i mean first first human to do it uh
0: yeah that was that was another prize that they set up it was the uh orteig orteig prize okay and it was a non-stop flight from new york city to paris yeah and he was hugely famous for it and then of course he was hugely famous for other things as you said about amelia Earhart. they both had rather tragic lives yeah after their fame
1: yeah he was he was murdered right charles Lindbergh was um was kidnapped and murdered i I guess
0: think he was murdered but his his baby was kidnapped the Lindbergh baby the Lindbergh baby case is a huge Hmm. crime scandal
1: okay but yeah anyway so in I think 1929 is when uh, Charles Lindbergh did that successful flight two years later Amelia Earhart did Mm -hmm. it Earhart of course vanished (laughs) during one of her flights uh, Mm. in 1937 was it yeah and uh, two years later she was declared assumed Right? That's the word, term that they use. Assumed Assume dead. dead. Assume dead, yeah. Presume. Presumed dead, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's interesting, I mean, obviously that Amelia Earhart, like, we're fairly sure what happened to her, but it's interesting that both of those people completed very similar flights yeah yeah and we know them for that and we know them for a disappearance it's a <laughs>
1: yeah weird coincidence, that's all. yeah those those conspiracy theories are around it especially mm. like she survived the some the crash she landed on some remote island and lived the rest of her life there and all that uh none of this ever proved proven but uh mm nice stories to talk about like to narrate and uh, <laughs> nice conspiracy theories to discuss let, let, but let's talk about uh, the
0: he wasn't murdered by the way i've just looked it up he died of lymphoma
1: oh okay okay <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> sorry i was uh, like i had uh, i got it wrong then i just somehow thought that uh, he was charles Lindenburg was kidnapped and murdered maybe it was his baby no, his, that you were talking about his
0: baby was, right. was okay. kidnapped and okay. murdered yeah oh uh, possibly well like, i mean there is again it's one of those huge conspiracy theories it's possible the family was involved ah it's one of those ones <laughs> crime we will never know
1: is that the one that was called the crime of the century and all that yeah <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> but it's not a it's a history podcast so <laughs> I
0: know. My, my efforts to turn it into another true crime okay. podcast notwithstanding <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: so uh do you want to talk about the the, the, the air force of your uh, respective countries or should we move to passenger flight uh, and uh, to end I mean we don't have much to talk about after this
0: do you want to go first you begin with a your country begins with a. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, I mean, again, as I I pointed out, a lot of the uh, real push forward with the uh, uh, flight in the centuries uh, following, I guess, the century following uh, the Wright brothers was military because they realized there was such Mm. an extreme chance to just kind of be the thing to drop bombs instead of having to go run out onto the field, put a bomb there, run back, and press a button now you could fly a couple miles overhead and go click a button and that would just fall and you'd be all safe mm. but uh i mean clearly some of the most advanced planes in the entire world are military aircraft like the yeah. f-22 yeah. and the f-18 those kinds uh oh the f-22 is so pretty i'm not gonna talk about the f-22 but it's so pretty
1: <laughs> isn't that the one that is called the raptor
2: yeah f-22 raptor yeah yeah
1: it's that i know it's like uh everybody has a, a has a favorite uh plane right because there's so many cute like it's uh, cute is not the word to describe a, a military aircraft i know but some of those are really I, I i personally i i love the Sukhoi, the russian Sukhois, those elevated noses uh, but i i find those pretty but yeah go mm-hmm. on please
2: uh, i mean that was really all i had to say i mean i'm not too familiar with the uh military history of uh america particularly with the aircraft other than the fact that that's where all the planes come from and that's why aerospace and majority of aerospace contracts are military related, right. at least in the yeah. United States.
1: Yeah, mm. I think military spending uh, still uh, drives uh, aerospace research
2: I mean, to really a does, large, a-
1: a large extent.
2: My first internship was a military contract, so you know yeah. that was a fun thing to get onto right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure at all. <laughs>
1: what what, yeah. what what about uh passenger airlines i mean uh who i mean i i only know from the indian but um, of course i know that we are we were not the first to do it so do you have any idea about about commercial flight in general if i do
2: not i if i remember correctly it might have been related to the mail service
1: okay so it's it's yes. same same in, in britain and that india as well right? right It was the ma- um, mail mail service Lendberg
0: was a mail service uh pilot yeah that's how he got into flying
1: yeah so the mail service in india as well was the first one like uh air india it started as a mail service and uh fun fact it was it was the founder it was tata himself who who flew the first single engine uh carrying air mail from he flew from karachi to bombay and late flew to madras and this was i think 1932 so karachi was still in india at the time and uh later on he expanded it uh, and he, it uh, he, he made it into a passenger air, airline aircraft carrier and 1960 was when the first uh, boeing came to india boeing 707 For, it was the first asian airline to induct a jet aircraft actually but uh, i cannot cannot not talk about air india and not mention the, the 1989 airlift because this is one a big historical event so i am excited to talk about it i, I love talking <laughs> about it so during the gulf war and just before the Gulf War, I think, during when... Uh, who invaded who? I'm, I'm not clear on that. Uh, was it uh, I- Iraq invading Kuwait or something like that? I'm sorry if I got I, it wrong.
0: It's, but, far, it's uh my my interests lie a lot further back in the past <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so in, yeah i'm okay. not too familiar with war with this okay anyway, wars. anyway
1: so the persian gulf war so kuwait was invaded that that i'm sure of so this happened this is in 1990 mm. kuwait was invaded and uh, 170,000 indians were stranded because mm. Uh, all airports everything was closed shut down so they were stranded and this is before twitter so like you can't just tweet now you you just tweet to the uh, you know government twitter handle and say i'm stranded here and then somebody somewhere embassy something happens and then they get in touch <laughs> and you are you are uh, you know rescued but uh, this is 1990 so uh, there was no way to get in touch with so many people and this is when air india stepped in and I think this Air India is, is they entered the Guinness Book of World Records as uh, you know the most people evacuated by a civil airliner. They managed to evacuate 170,000 people, Indians as well as Pakistanis and all the people of the subcontinent uh, over. They operated 488 flights using their fleet of Boeings uh, over last day, over 63 days. And they, uh, they airlifted. Yeah, that's 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 an incredible feat, I would say, because
0: that's very cool. Yeah,
1: it's that's a yeah and they to airlift people civilians out of uh you know a war zone without any casualties that was a that was a big feat and that i think air india got, got a lot of popularity media attention and publicity after that so well rightly
2: so
1: <laughs> so yeah that that's the only yeah, fun fact i had that's fun bit of cool. trivia Anything else before we...
2: I mean, my one last fun fact was uh, okay. about air mail and everything. Uh, and a lot of planes kept crashing because uh, they would fly at night and you can't really tell <laughs> where you're going at night because, yeah. you know, it wasn't a... most. For one thing, it was across the middle of the United States, which was mostly empty. So it yeah. was actually... Today, you can still see some of them. They're giant arrows that would light up in the middle of the night. Uh <laughs> so that the aircraft could follow them to get to the other oh, okay. uh, other coast that's brilliant, brilliant it, was, it, was right? the, <laughs> it was the uh, first one because what would happen is the pilots would get lost yeah and then get mm. off course and then not be able to land would run out of fuel and
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a really good solution to the problem as well. The, the, <laughs> like, that, let's not let's
2: not do anything hugely expensive. Let's just draw arrows that light up. Yeah, These that's, giant that's arrows. Great. Yeah, and there's still a couple of them to this day that are you can find across the United States. Wow, that's going on my uh, road trip list.
1: Matt, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wanted because US is like US pioneered aviation for so long, and and they still do. It's like they have such a big history of, you know, like everything that I want to, I mean, the first airplane or the first, everything, all the firsts are in in the US. So the minute I land in US, that's the first thing I want to do. I want to visit their aeronautical museums, their, their space museums and all these I know they are spread over uh, mm. like there's one in Texas and I don't know one in Washington or all. But I'm, I
2: really I'm, recommend the D.C. the Smithsonian in D.C.
1: Yeah, uh, see, she's she's already showing museum. off.
0: Yeah. Oh well, you know we're <laughs> going, we're eventually gonna make it to America and like you're totally gonna to have to take us around that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I so I so want to visit all these places. Uh, we'll we'll do
2: a road trip to all the uh, important. Yeah, that would be awesome. museum. We can that go D.C. down amazing. to Florida, down to Texas, up to California, and yeah. up to Washington. Washington, just go along the
1: coast. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. But so, but oh, before I, we I, before we end, uh, I, I, let's let's hear about Lauren's personal story. Uh, she has a has <laughs> a personal connection with uh, aviation and uh, you know oh, I military area. We yeah you can just mention really... it and we can you can cover it in detail when we okay. talk about warfare. Um,
0: and... So in the um, second world war my granddad signed up to the RAF. He really wanted to be a pilot um, but he had awful eyesight bless him. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he became an engineer and he was a really good engineer mm-hmm. um, and he fought with the uh, 74 Tiger Squadron and yeah he fought all over the the field of War? That's not the right phrase. He fought all over the place: Palestine, Egypt, uh, France, Simi, Crete. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, when if, the, when if... the when the war finished, they wanted him to teach to stay on and teach because he, he became a teacher afterwards. He's a really good teacher. And he, he he went to his wing commander and he said, "I'm sorry, I can't stay. I've been given um I've been given orders by a superior officer." And they said, "Well, who who's a more superior officer than than me?" And he went, "My mom." <laughs> <laughs> they were That's like, funny. "Fair That's
2: enough."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: If 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 Lauren
1: is okay with it, I think we will put a, a picture on, on our Instagram yeah. of, of her uh, granddad and uh, it's, it's a lovely picture you can always tell which
0: one he is because he's got really big ears
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he has a, and a similar he, laugh same laugh uh, same smile yes. as uh, Lauren does so <laughs> it's easily identifiable so on that note I think uh, we'll end oh one last fact yeah, since okay. I
0: looked it up Led Zeppelin is indeed named after the phrase Led Balloon because when they were the <laughs> Yardbirds when they started uh, the next band they renamed themselves because someone told them that uh, a collaboration would wow. go by those people would go down like a lead balloon and they were like right we'll use it then <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's like led right so i i i was just yeah i was, I was
0: they thought they thought people would say uh, who hadn't come across the phrase would pronounce it lead balloon and it annoyed them so they took the a out
1: oh that's that's smart <laughs> But even then, I was not being serious, but uh, this, this good to know. That was a yeah, lucky guess. It
0: was good. <laughs> okay. Of course, that story may be apocryphal. Who knows? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's time for the question of the week. Since it's the first one, we are going to start off easy. It's just a poll. The question is, what is mankind's greatest achievement? Is it the discovery of fire? Is it the invention of the wheel? Is it soap? Is it the internet? Go vote for your choice on our brand new reddit community page. If you disagree with all these options and think of something else entirely, feel free to leave it in the comments. Also click on the join button and become a member of the community. Be a weirdling. It's free and liberating. I promise. Okay, sorry that, that was creepy. Um, anyway, I I guess I'll stop now. The, 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 the link for the reddit community page is in the description. Uh, just just uh, click on it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, on that note I think we'll end today's episode it was fun mm. uh, it's time to yeah, say good goodbye fun. to Emily because uh, she yes, has to go thank you so much for coming yeah. and
0: doing a couple of
2: episodes for us thank you and Emily you're welcome. this was a lot of yeah. fun
1: yeah and I think we, we look forward to having you again on our podcast in the future uh, yeah,
0: definitely Yeah. cool yeah. so we'll see you next Saturday
1: yeah bye bye
0: bye keep it weird